Okay, good morning. All right, just a couple of uh, housekeeping options. Um, hopefully no, nobody showed up for church last night. Raise your hand if you did. You all got the message okay? So um, uh, the pastors and, and elders uh, looked at past numbers and, and all those things, and as you probably heard about this, uh, decided to uh, not do the Saturday kind of pre-race service. Um, part of the reason was uh, we just didn't see that the numbers were you know, kind of there to support it. But uh, would you do this? Just, I know we got a small crowd today. If, if, well, I mean, you're all here. Otherwise, you'd be at the racetrack. So you're not a very good, raise your hand if you know someone who would have come to church last night if we had a service. Two, three. And I had one email. So that's what we were kind of, um, so, you know, I, I was kind of thinking about this, Mr. Head Elder, and I know you're, you're not going to be Mr. Head Elder next year. We don't know who that guy is yet, but uh, um, we, we might just possibly just, just offer it. We'll, we'll talk about it anyway. So I can be a people pleaser sometimes. I have to watch that. So, okay, enough of that. Um, blessed uh, Memorial Weekend to all of you as we remember uh, you know, this weekend, it's very customary for uh, families to go visit uh, grave sites, uh, remember uh, loved ones who have died. Obviously, Memorial Day weekend is especially designated for those who have uh, uh, given their life uh, in service uh, towards this country. Uh, and we remember as well those who continue to serve in our armed forces. And I, I would also add to that, um, uh, you know, our first responders. So uh, please continue to keep all those uh, who uh, serve in public service and, uh, and remember those uh, who have uh, given the ultimate sacrifice and who have served us as well. Okay. Um, with that note, uh, Friday afternoon, um, our dear brother, Mr. Wayne Kramer, uh, as many of you know, uh, just... A couple few months ago, what's it been? Not even three months. Yeah, uh, was um, uh, had had you know his shingles, which had developed last October, never went away, and they started having some other uh, um, complications, uh, back pain, and uh, wasn't able to sleep, wasn't eating, and uh, finally, uh, uh, when when they were down in in, in Florida, uh, the doctor down there said you need to get get back up to India and get things checked out. And when they did that, found that he had a very fast-growing cancer all through his abdomen. Um, and so there was, there was no way to really treat that uh, uh, surgically, uh, chemo or radiation. Um, and, uh, and, and you should know that he did, he did look at all the options, <laughs> if you know Wayne. Um, and so finally it just uh, came time to say that I will be done. And so, um, so Friday, actually Friday afternoon, he was uh, moved from his house to hospice care center. And within a few hours of uh, moving uh, there over to the hospice uh, care center, he uh, closed his eyes for the last time on this, uh, on this earth and uh, opened his eyes uh, to behold the lamb on the throne uh, with the saints and the angels above. And uh, so uh, while his body uh, uh, has, uh, has fallen asleep, has died, uh, he rests and is at peace and he is in the presence of the, the most high God. And uh, we'll see him again. So uh, service, uh, funeral plans, Tuesdays, Tuesday, 4 to 7 p.m., 4 o'clock to 7 p.m. will be visitation uh, here at, uh, at Advent. And then service, funeral service will be Wednesday morning at 10.30, okay? So family realizes that's a work day and hard for people to get off, uh, but you're more than welcome to come. Uh, burial, committal will follow immediately after the service and then back here for a luncheon. 
Um, so that's kind of the plan. So we will have uh, President Rast from the uh, Fort Wayne Seminary will be here to assist with the service. Uh, very uh, near uh, and dear friends of the Kramers. And obviously the Kramers had a, had a, had a wonderful uh, interest and a love for the seminary and for many other institutions as well. They're very generous with the gifts that God uh, had bestowed upon them. Okay, so keep Barb and all the kids in your prayers. Uh, we've sang lots of good hymns and reminded ourselves of uh, God's uh, life in the midst of death. Okay, and that's exactly what it is. Okay, all right, any questions on any of that stuff? We are on chapter three uh, of our uh, Kurt Marquardt book. So this is the Saving Truth Doctrine for Lay People. Thank you, Pastor Grady, for finishing us up on uh, chapter two next week. You know, we do have another pastor amongst us. I'm going to do this. You're not going to like it. I know. Uh, Joel, would you stand up and introduce your dad? Because you, you have someone special. and It's not often we as pastors get kind of a Sunday off, and he's going to have a bunch of Sundays off here. So go ahead. Seventy-five years. Now, there's someone sitting by your dad. You want to introduce her as well? <laughs> Welcome. Good to have you with us. Thank you for your uh, faithful service in the ministry and, and blessings on your retirement, both of you. That's, uh, that's a wonderful thing. Thanks be to God. Okay, let's get started. The Lord be with you. O oh God, the giver of all that is good, by your holy inspiration grant that we may think those things that are right, and by your merciful guiding accomplish them. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Okay, last week, um, I, I hope it wasn't a rude interruption, but uh, in the midst of Pastor Grady wrapping up chapter two, I did ask you to kind of think of the order that Professor Marquardt was kind of laying out uh, doctrine, faith, uh, how we look at all things. Okay, so let's just very briefly before we start chapter three, where does Professor Marquardt start with this book that is directed to you? Where should we always start as Christians or those who seek truth? Scripture, right? So, so sola scriptura, you might say, but, but, but God's Word, okay? So God's Word, uh, that is, uh, the technical term would be our formal principle uh, in terms of our faith. So God's Word and God's Word alone, that is our foundation, uh, that is where we find uh, absolute truth, and so we start there. So first chapter, just a review, and if you hadn't had a chance to read it, uh, buy the book. There's a Kindle version if you're a digital person, uh, and he goes through and he, he talks uh, about uh, some of the historical criticism, uh, different ways of viewing the Bible, uh, how Scripture interprets Scripture. So he talks about a proper biblical hermeneutic, how we interpret things, uh, which leads us then to chapter 2, which was actually written by, uh, who was it written by? Do you remember? Robert Price. And what did he have to teach us? Chapter 2. Where did he go? He went to basically the question of who is God, right? 
So we start with Scripture, and then we go from there. Uh, who is God? And so we learned about uh, God uh, being Trinitarian. We learned about the nature of God, his love for his creation, okay, um, and his desire to, to give and provide uh, as a heavenly father, as a parent. So late service people, pay attention to that a little bit. Jesus gets into that in his discourse quite a bit uh, in John 15, 16, 17. And we've had a lot of uh, gospel readings here in the, well, the one-year series in these Sundays after Easter, and that's for good reason. Okay, uh, And then now chapter 3 is the incarnation of God, right? So incarnate literally means with, what's carne? Flesh, right? Okay, so, so this is the enfleshment of God. So, so God in the flesh, okay? Um, so let's, uh, let's see where we go from here. You ready? The Word was made flesh, writes St. John 1 verse 14 and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So God became man. These simple words spell out the deepest mystery in heaven and on earth. The twin of that other sublime and incomprehensible truth that the one true God is in fact three persons. So there's two truths here that uh, Marquardt is telling us we, we have to keep in mind. What are they? The first is... The Word was made flesh, right? So, so Jesus is human, right? And divine. And the second one, of course, that the one true God is in fact three persons, okay? Now, can either of you explain either of those truths to me? Logically? Philosophically? You can't do it. I mean, over the years, um, I, I have, have watched many what I would call failed attempts of pastors and teachers to describe the Trinity using an apple, an orange, and ice cube, and lemonade. I mean, there's just, there, you know, and they all probably have some good teaching built in, but every single, every single one fails because there, there's no way to physically and rationally grasp it. it, it it's a, repeat after me, a mystery. It's a mystery, okay? And, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about the, the word mystery and the connection to its uh, Latin uh, word sacrament in a little bit, but you can, you can kind of start doing a little connections on your own there, okay? So uh, let's read 1 Corinthians uh, 2 verse 9 uh, together and also Isaiah 6 verse 4. Here we go. I hath not seen nor heard such holy mysteries, right? So, so, so these, these aren't things that, that are natural or occurring. This is divine. It's otherworldly. It's, it's, it's supernatural. So they're beyond the ken um, or the ability to understand of the greatest thinkers on earth. And they lie completely inaccessible to even the most sophisticated scientific equipment, Right? Um, you know, so they've had, uh, if you followed any of the uh, Shroud of Turin, so, um, you know, there, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, well, is this Jesus' DNA? I mean, you got, you kind of, you know, very interesting, but will any of that ever really answer the question? No, I mean, it can't. It, it's not possible. It's fascinating. Um, I've followed a little bit of it, but, you know, same thing with, with relics. 
You know, Luther writes a lot on relics, of course, because uh, his benefactor had one of the largest collections of relics. You might have learned about that during this last 500th anniversary year. Um, you know, uh, John's right molar, <laughs> right? Or uh, a fingernail from, uh, you know, Luke, uh, or I, all these other different types of things. And so if we, if we can have some physical connection to someone that was holy or did holy things, then we can have connection to who? To God, right? So when you start talking about means of grace, you simply, if we're starting with Scripture, have to ask the question, where and how does God promise to come to us or serve us or bring us into his presence? And of course, that's where a lot of Christians get off on really strange things, right? So it's like the crazy pastor we had in western Nebraska, uh, whose son, when he's little, uh, you know, is sick, and, and Dad, I, 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 I think I died, and saw, saw Grandpa. And the son started describing things that he had never seen before. And so uh, the, the, the father, who uh, was a, a Berean pastor, um, actually well-known to a good friend of mine, Reverend David Kale, who's still pastor there, and, and uh, he could tell you a lot. Uh, long story short, this guy sold the story, wrote a book called Heaven is for Real, went on to be a pretty major motion picture that was seen by a lot of people. And so now hope and comfort that heaven is for real is found where, if you follow the premise of the book and the movie? Because a little boy saw it. Because he had a vision. So now my faith and trust that God is real, that heaven is real, is from something that's not from Scripture. Does that make sense? So... Um, you know, we don't question, I guess, if people see and experience things, but we do question because Scripture says, is this from God? But see, the devil can cause those things too. And of course, the devil wants you to put your faith where? Not in God's Word. <laughs> he wants you to put your faith in visions and miracles, and so we have to be careful with some of that. We have to be really careful with that. Because where's Jesus? And where's Jesus in all of it? Where, where's the word? Where's the sacraments? Okay. Okay. Any questions there? Um, okay, where am I at? So, yet God has freely revealed them. He's revealed these truths to us of Jesus being both man and God and of the historic Trinity, so that even simple children may confess them with their hosannas. To those who saw our Lord in the flesh, he said, let's read it together, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. Luke 10, 23. This is all King James here references for you, just so you know. You, you get to talk like you're a really old person, okay? And that's okay. King James is actually a pretty, pretty good translation. Um, so, blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. And of us who came to faith through the testimony of eyewitnesses, he says, let's read this. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed indeed, for on this holy mystery of the word made flesh depends our whole salvation. Okay? So the word witness, um, if you trace it back, really goes back to the word uh, uh, martyr. And, and the, wor the word martyr uh, and witness are really kind of interchangeable in Scripture. So the apostles, they are those who are sent. And now all of the New Testament is written by who? Those who have what? Those who have seen. So this is the 
written testimony, and remember, Scripture says, everything must be established by two or three witnesses. So remember that when you start gossiping about your neighbor. Okay? And if there's sin that needs to be dealt with, go talk to your neighbor first. You can follow the whole Matthew 18 thing. All right? And if you're struggling with the whole private sin, public sin, come talk to one of us as pastors and we'll, we'll help you with that. Uh, but everything must be established by two or three witnesses. So all the New Testament, everything that Jesus does and is recorded has two or three witnesses. Think of why we have four Gospels and not just one. Simple way to understand it. God's given us, you know, not just two or three. He gave us one more than two or three. Has given us four, right? And they're all a little different flavor, um, but, uh, you know, different perspective, but all convey the same truth, okay? So, uh, the, 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 the martyrs now, the real witnesses, are those that have seen Christ and have testified to us in Scripture. So pay attention to that, okay? You and I technically, you ready for this? This is going to fly in the face of a little bit of church growth stuff. We're not technically called to be witnesses in the same way that they were in the early church. Does that make sense? We can't witness to seeing Jesus perform miracles. I mean, we just can't. You can't do that, right? I mean, if you follow you know, research principles and you talk about primary source and you go on down the line from that, we're, we're way down on the bottom, right? I mean, we are. So Scripture is now our primary source, or you should say the, the apostles themselves or those witnesses, those martyrs, they are the primary source. And now we've got their, their written statements, their recollection, um, all of that. Uh, and so what is it that we would be called to witness to? Because we are called to still witness, but what do we witness to? Say it again. Yes. Yeah, I like that word better than witness. Okay, um, but what can you witness to? I, maybe that's the better, the better question I would like you to answer. What, what, what can you witness? What do you see here and now that you can witness to? Do you see and hear Jesus coming in baptism? And that's all part of being a confessor, of course, right? But now, so, so I'm just trying to put a few things together for you. So Jesus promises to be there in the water with the word. Jesus promises to be in the bread and the, the wine, simple bread and wine. That is also his body and blood. And this is why everything in the church, true mission, revolves around what? The divine service. It's the establishment, if you will, or the, the, the structure of, of preaching, teaching, administration, the sacraments. That's always the goal, because it is through these means now that the living God comes to us. Hold on to that thought just a little bit, but one thing that I've been working on the last week or two is I've had a few, I've been talking with some lapsed members here, and I'm, I'm just now starting to get cranked up on doing household visitation. So we're, you're going to see some sign-ups coming up, uh, so it's been five, six months I've kind of got my feet wet with how the church works and we've got things in an orderly way and now I want to come to your home and meet with you and learn more about you. Some of you I've done that, not, obviously not everybody, um, but I've also been trying to work a little bit on some of our laps people and I, I had someone here just this last week uh, and uh, who hadn't been in church for a couple years but uh, was willing to sit down and talk with me and simply said, what's the difference, Pastor? between all the Christian churches, you know? 
I mean people over at Traders Point, uh, you know, and you could, you could run the list of all that. They claim to believe in Jesus. They believe he's both man and God. You know, we notice that there's a big difference in the way worship takes place. I mean, that's obvious to anybody, right? You go to Traders Point, you come over here, you're going to look a little different, you know? Pastors are wearing dresses. <laughs> you know, there's a little more singing or chanting, or only the singing is, is, is out of a hymnal instead of on a screen, and there's no band up for I mean, you, know, you can start going into all that. So, and it was a great question. Why? Right? So now I've started to work with this person going down, and, and of course, what's, what's a, where, where are a couple places that are always a starting point? Because everything we do reflects what we believe, right? So doctrine and practice together. You can't separate one or the other. So the first place I went was simply the Lord's Supper. I said, tell me how, the, how, how they do the Lord's Supper. I haven't been over to, to Trader's Point. I have a lot of neighbors in my subdivision, and they're great people. I really like them, most of them. I, you know. And they're, 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 they're good Christians. We get along fine. We're probably going to have a beer or two together this summer. Our kids you know, probably going to play, um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, they, they, they believe Jesus is their Savior, believe He's the Son of God, um, you know, human and divine. So what's the difference? So I said, tell me about Lord's Supper. Anybody know? So they just have little packets of grape juice and bread that are out there, and you pick them up, and then uh, you want to eat and drink, eat and drink. They don't believe it's really the body and blood of Jesus. The pastor does still speak the words of institution, um, but it's for anyone. doesn't matter whatever age you are or whatever you do. And so then I, I, so then I just asked a few questions from Scripture about fellowship and the Lord's Supper. I said, what does Jesus say? Uh, what does Paul say? And obviously what Paul says is what Jesus says because it's the Word of God. You know, yeah, we were, we were a little uncomfortable with that. I said, okay. Now, what does Jesus say to do when you, when, you, when, you ha when you hear false teaching? What does he say to do? Drink up. <laughs> Belly up to the bar. Have as much as you want. No, he doesn't do that. He says, flee, flee from false teaching, right? So don't have anything to do with that. Um, or if you're, if you're going you're gonna to fight that fight, then fight that fight. Then you bear responsibility. Otherwise, you become complicit with, with false teaching and that sort of thing. So, so anyway... You know, but this is something, as Marquardt is going through this, one, he is uh, helping you understand why you believe, not only what you believe, but why you practice your faith the way you do, okay? Uh, which is Lutheran, although I, I don't really always like the term Lutheran because Luther was just trying to remove certain errors that had developed into the church, Okay. I would say that the way that we should always attempt to worship and do that really should be orthodox, which means according to right teaching. So, so it's, it's more, it's not even historical, it's just the way the church always has. So when Paul tells young Timothy, follow the pattern of sound words, so, so there, there's a pattern, there, there's a model, there's something that you're trying to attain to. And, and we'll cover more of that when we talk a little bit about not only what's going in heaven now, what's going on in heaven now, but how heaven is open to us. And obviously you had you know, Dr. Just here years ago to do his whole series on the liturgy. How long has it been since you even went through that Bible study that was done here at Advent? Has it been a long time? We should dust that off at some point and just walk back through 
you know, because that helps to answer the question. You understand, you know, how liturgy kind of developed what it is, and, and, and that answers some of those questions. And I think for, for some people, they've just never been taught that. So why do churches worship differently? You know, why does Trader's Point look different from Advent, which looks different from fill in the blank? You know, Zionsville Fellowship and, you know, and whatever, and, you know, even the Mass, you talk to a Roman Catholic. Uh, raise your hand if you're, if you're a recovering Roman Catholic. I know we had a couple in here. Oh, okay, okay. Has the Mass changed over the years? Has it changed from when you were little? It, oh, yeah, yeah. So there's been changes as well. Um, so, you know, what, what, why? It's, it's a logical question. Okay, let's move on here. All right, any questions or comments or things you want to throw at me? We're good. So blessed indeed, for on this holy mystery of the word made flesh depends our whole salvation. Okay, here we go. Fully God and fully man. Pagan mythologies are full of demigods, legendary half-divine and half-human beings. The true God-man Jesus is nothing like that. Do we have any uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime junkies in here? Maybe some of our younger folks? Ever heard of the show, um, and I think they just completed their last season, Supernatural, 14 or 15 seasons, okay? Uh, really big with the millennial crowd. Um, so this is full of, of, of demigods. Yeah, I've watched most of it, uh, so even though I'm a little older than that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's got this concept of, of grace that is given to angels, and you can remove the grace, and, and, uh, and it's got demons, and it's, it's got... It's got everything, vampires and, yeah, all that. Some of you, are just, you're like my wife. You're like, oh, my goodness, that's ridiculous. But why do I watch some of that stuff? Because, I'll tell you, because that tells me where culture is going on some things. Because ultimately, and I'll just summarize the whole thing of Supernatural for you real quick. It's not really a spoiler alert. But, but God really isn't God. He wants to be called Chuck. And, oh, yeah, his name is Chuck. And so, so in this 14, raise your hand if you've seen that. Am I the only, uh, Supernatural? No Supernatural fans here? Oh, I can tell you everything then. Okay. <laughs> anyway, God is a hands-off God. He doesn't want anything to do with the world he's built. And matter of fact, not only has he built this world, uh, but this now becomes, any Stargate fans? Longest running TV show? Best actor of all time, MacGyver, my favorite guy from back when I was a kid. <laughs> I know, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, there's all these different worlds, there's all these different planets, and, and, and in some places, God or the gods got things right, in some places, oops, right? So, like, there's this one planet that consists entirely of squirrels. <laughs> now, all this sounds so silly to you, but you have to understand, if, if you're not a Christian, and, you're, and, and this stuff is all over. If you, if you go down and look at what the majority of kids uh, and college students and even on up who have time, what they are streaming and what they are watching and listening to, I would tell you the devil is really at work, okay, in some very sneaky ways. Now, I'm not telling you to go watch all that stuff, okay, uh, but... We need to be aware of the underlying theology, okay, um, the word that is about God, whether right or wrong, that is being propagated within culture, and, and, it, and it's ridiculous. And that's what Mark White's going, and I'm not sure, well, yeah, both of these, no, Stargate would have been around when he was still alive. Anyway, 
He didn't say Stargate, though. I should ask him that when I see him in heaven. Pagan mythologies are full of demigods, legendary, half-divine, and half-human beings, right? So if you study even Greco-Roman mythology, you'll, you'll, you'll get into some of that. The true God-man Jesus is nothing like this. He's not half-God and half-man. He is, quote, let's read it together, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man born of the Virgin Mary. So he's two completely different things at the same time. And the word, you've heard me use this before, and, and I'm stealing it really from Walther, CFW Walther, probably summarized it the best. It's a paradox. Say paradox. Paradox is, is simply two completely different things that are one at the same time. And you, you can't explain it. Right? So, body of Jesus, simple bread. Simple bread baked at 6568 Hunter's Ridge South by Mrs. Gina McKay. Right? Wine, simple wine poured out of a bottle. If you're on the altar guild, you know where it comes from. Perhaps you even bought it and donated it. But wine now that becomes what? The blood of Jesus, right? For you to eat and drink, right? That's what we do with it. We just eat and drink it. It's why we finish what remains at the end of the meal. We just do what Jesus says. We eat and drink it. Okay, simplest thing to do. If there's too much of it, where we're going to be walking around like this, then we'll, we'll, we'll save it later, or <laughs> we'll use it the next service. Okay? So we've kind of talked about that. Just keep it simple. Just really simple. Okay? So, but it's hard for us to wrap our head around that. We simply believe it because God says it is so. In Him dwells not some supposed spark of divinity, but rather, quote, let's read Colossians 2, verse 9, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the fullness of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwells where? In the body of Jesus. Okay? Which is why, especially this time of year, the resurrection becomes so important. Okay? Which is why, uh, you know, Paul writes that, uh, you know, if Christ is not raised from the dead, our, our preaching is in vain. Our teaching is vain. Our faith is useless. If he who is God and contains God, encompasses, if, 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 if he's not raised from the dead, then forget it, right? In the words of the Seinfeld soup Nazi, no soup for you. There's no forgiveness of sins for you. There's no hope of your resurrection. Then you're just on your own in the great unknown, okay? And who knows what it'll be, okay? So, yeah, good luck with that. To us modern people, it seems self-evident that Jesus was a human being. What does not stand out as so obvious to us is that he was and is the almighty God who created the cosmos. So what Marquardt is saying is it's, it's easy for us postmoderns, modernists and postmoderns, because we've kind of got a couple of generations here, uh, to relate to Jesus being human but now the earliest Christians, he says, saw it uh, the, oh, my page is sticking, saw it the other way around. For those who lived in the immediate afterglow of his appearance on earth, quote, the glory of God in the face of Jesus, that's 2 Corinthians 4, 6, remained a mystery too vivid to let them lose sight of his divinity, right? So what Paul is, or what Marquardt is saying here is that the early church, they, they were more in tune 
to this concept of the divinity. This was a very holy, reverential thing, right? And as I was kind of thinking about this week and some of the conversations I've had with either LAPS members or, you know, a couple of my crazy neighbors about this, that, or the other, um, you know, that kind of got me thinking, you know, okay, Jesus as, you know, my best friend, you know, Jesus is my boyfriend, I love you, Lord, and I give my heart. I mean, you know, I can sing all the songs because I was in the praise band many times. And, um, you know, so you got this whole just very sensual, emotional, physical connection, right? But now what about the divine? And that's the question Mark Hart's asking. Because when you're talking about the divine, you're talking about the, you're talking about the most high, holy God, correct? What did the voice from the burning bush say to Moses? Take off your Birkenstocks and your stinky wool hiking socks, okay, because the place you're standing is holy ground. I want you to know, Moses, that standing in God's presence is a really big deal, right? And then you, you can go from there into the whole, and this is fun when you study just, just all the Exodus account and God's interaction with Moses and, and God, you know, uh, hiding Moses in the, the cleft in the rocks, and, and Moses really only sees God's, you know, backside, uh, which is, is interesting when you say there's no humor in the Bible. There's a lot of interesting humor, um, and for good reason. Um, so you, you got all this stuff that's, that's kind of going on with God's holy and divine presence being a really big deal, right? Now, I don't care how you feel, for example, about our current president. We're not going to talk politics. But if the Secret Service were to come in that back door right now, and he were to walk in here, what would you most likely do that you're not doing right now? Why? He's the President of the United States. Correct? Right? And I know some of you may like this current president. That didn't go over so well many years ago when we had a president that a lot of people in the congregation didn't like. And I said, no, you would stand anyway, wouldn't you? Because of out of respect for the office. Right? Same way what happens in a courtroom. Judge comes in, what does the bailiff do? Please rise, right? Okay, which I, I've never liked that, please rise. It's like, what are we, we rising into heaven, resurrection? Just stand, please stand, right? That's what you're asking them to do. Uh, anyway, so just a little pet peeve of mine. So, um, yeah, so God's holy and he's divine and he's the God who has created everything. He's the one who says that I'm completely sinful, so how should that, that make me feel in his presence? What, what is my nature going to be? What's my, my physical posture going to be when I'm in his presence? So that's interesting when you start to think about that. I mean, but, but keep in mind it's also a balance, right? Human and divine at the same time. And so sometimes we get so enamored just with the human side of it that we forget about the divine side. Let's go on and read what he has to say. Any questions or comments here? Or people who are like, oh, that's over my head, or I disagree. Really? Come on. I like a good debate. All right. Okay. So for those... Oh, that makes me think of one more thing. Uh, do you remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? Oh, great movie. Oh, I love those. We got to do... Maybe we'll do that tomorrow, boys, if it's raining. We'll watch all the Raiders, uh, the... Uh, uh, oh, they're good ones. So Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? So they find, they find the Ark. Who finds it? The bad guys, the Nazis, right? 
and they get it, and, 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 and uh, Harrison Ford, right, is tied up with what's-her-face, uh, you know, and uh, they're, they're tied up, and the Nazis open up the lid of the ark, and what happens? <laughs> the, the presence of God, the, you know, I'm not sure what they were trying to depict, angels, spirits come out of the ark, and they go around and, and uh, you know, right? And all these people, they, they just, they kind of melt, right? So you see this one, and the graphics aren't as good as what we have today. So our kids are probably like, oh, that's a horrible graphics on the movie. I was like, man, that was state of the art way back then, right? You know, his face like melts off and everything. You're like, ooh, you know, but what did that? The presence of the Most High God did that. And so in some respects, it's interesting to see how God is treated even by pop culture 30, 40 years ago compared to how God is treated today in terms of His divinity. Okay? Hang on to that. All right. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I went there. For those who lived in the immediate Africa of His experience on earth, quote, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ remained a memory too vivid to let them lose sight of His divinity. It was his true humanity that seemed less obvious to the early Christians. Therefore, St. John had to rebuke in the sternest terms the temptation to reduce Christ's human nature to a mere sham or illusion. Let's read 1 John 4, 3 together. Every spirit that confesseth... confesseth oh, let's start over. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Thank you for helping me. Such a spirit is that of the Antichrist, from verse John 4.3. St. Paul, too, insists that our Lord was, quote, let's read it, made of a woman made under the law, so much that we Christians are, let's read it together, members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, that you probably don't think about it that way, but you're a member of the body of Christ, now, normally when you think of the member of the body of Christ, you probably just think in some spiritual way, right? You know, kind of like you're, a, I don't know, resident of Indiana or, you know, a U.S. citizen. It kind of might be who you are on paper, but does it really affect you physically? But with Jesus, it does. I, I, want, you to, I want you to think about that this week. You are made one with the literal body of Christ. That's, uh, now, you having a hard time wrapping your head around that? Good. Because it's very sacramental, which means it's mysterious, which means you're not going to be able to understand it. But it's important to not forget about that. Okay? So when we talk about Jesus being with you, Always, right? And so some kind of pop, pop modern-day evangelical Christianity, you know, Jesus is in my, you know, I love to ask kids this, you know, hey, where's Jesus at? He's in my heart. Okay. I mean, you know, pastor, we're okay. But <laughs> there's more than that, right? So much more. So much more, Right? I have a good uh, friend from uh, Nebraska. His name is Reverend John Solberger. He's been to a lot of higher things conferences. Have you ever done that? And he, he's got this big uh, hair, uh, yeah, beautiful hair, and he plays guitar. He was an LYE uh, 
Lutheran youth encounter like my mom was way back when. And, and uh, whenever we uh, have uh, youth stuff, he'll pull out his guitar. And so he, he's, he's made up lyrics to all sorts of like praise songs to kind of make fun of them. <laughs> Basically where they, uh, you know, they go wrong in terms of the human and the divine nature. Okay? So it's similar to uh, Brian Wolf Mueller's praise song, Cruncher, except Solberg actually writes lyrics and plays a guitar. And so one of the songs goes like this. Open the eyes of my spleen, Lord. Open the eyes of my spleen. <laughs> and, he, and I don't remember all the rest of the lyrics, but, you know, and then he goes down, he talks about toenails and, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, and now to be fair, in scripture, that does kind of talk about eyes and heart together, but uh, I mean, it's just really kind of, oh, let, let's move on here. All right. <laughs> so let me finish this. We're going to get through this real quick. I got three minutes. During the fourth century, Arius and his followers denied that Christ was really God. He was more than a man, yes, but they said not quite God, right? So, so think of kind of how, the, how the, the Mormons and others handle this as well. You'll see some of the very same errors made with who Jesus is. When pressed, these so-called Arians were even willing to call Jesus God in some sense, yet they denied that he was really the one true God who created heaven and earth. See what they did there? Against their denials, muddles, and outright deceptions, the councils of Nicaea, 325, um, that's where uh, Santa Claus uh, slapped or punched this same Arius, by the way, Constantinople, 381, put the biblical truth in the clearest language possible. Let's read it together. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. Now, these great truths of the Nicene Creed, we've solemnly confessed before God's altar ever since. So in our day, the Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, have taken up the old Arian errors once more. They deny the Holy Trinity and the true Godhood of Jesus Christ. A mockery is made of St. John's profound confession that, quote, the Word was God, excuse me, via the pretense that this means, quote, the Word was a God is how they would define that. So it's not that the word was God in terms of the God. Now we've got how many other gods? Who knows? Right? Watch Supernatural. Watch Stargate. There's gods everywhere. Right? So the whole of St. John actually constitutes a sublime and glorious witness to our Lord's true divinity. It culminates now in full view of the Lord's accomplished life, death, and resurrection in the same confession with which it opened. And let's read John 20, verse 28 together. My Lord and my God. Okay. Now I'm going to stop right there because there's no way I'm going to get through the next four paragraphs in one minute. Um, and we'll, we'll come back to that. So John 20, 28. My Lord, human, and my God, divine. Okay. So hang on to that until we meet next week. You want to read ahead in the chapters. Perhaps you've already read this. That's reread it. Uh, but human and divine is kind of where we're going with this. And, and I want you to think more, a little bit more about that divine side. And just try and do this. And if you're coming to late service today, look at the things we are doing in the service that are conveying and teaching about the divinity of Christ, who is present with us, okay? And I want you to hang on to that. And that might make you think of where you've perhaps have worshiped before or other sorts of things and, you know, all right.
Questions, comments? Good, good. I'm not going to go as fast as you, Pastor Grady. I'm just telling you right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say that, one, say that one more time, sorry. Why do you think that like, we relate God more to him as a human form than his divinity? Why do we want, so the question is, why do we want to focus more on his human form than on his divinity? Um, my answer, and I think Mark Work kind of answers this way as well, it's easier for us to understand his humanity because we're humans. We can just, we can relate to that. You know, so you, you talk about like at Christmas, Jesus being a baby. Who hasn't seen a cute little baby or had a little baby or a baby brother or baby sister, right? I mean, so you can kind of, you know, oh, Jesus, you know, baby in the manger. But yet that baby in the manger is also what at the same time? The God who created the world, the God who could snap his fingers and, right? The God who opened the ground and swallowed the sons of Korah. Right? The God, I mean, just, just go down through all the, the God who flooded the whole world. I mean, same God. So, so I think the simple answer is it, it, it's easier to connect the human side, and it's hard work to go to the divine side. But hard work to the divine side also means um, reverence, and it also means faith in that which you cannot always see. So blessed are those, Jesus says, who have not seen and yet believed. Good for now? Okay. All right, let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.